And now, from his private island somewhere in the Pacific, beneath the wind-swept palm trees, the purveyor of the tropical and the topical, finding fun and seduction in the construction and consumption of rum, your friend and mine, the one and only, Tiki Man. I need a I need a producer. It was on the second floor on Coronado Street. I used to get drunk and throw the radio through the window while it was playing. And of course, it would break the glass in the window. And the radio would sit there on the roof still playing. And I'd tell my woman, ah, what a marvelous radio. The next morning, I'd take the window off the hinges and carry it down the street to the glass man, who would put in another glass pane. I kept throwing that radio through the window. Each time I got drunk, uh, and it would sit there on the roof, still playing. A magic radio. A radio with guts. And each morning I'd take the window back to the glass man. I don't remember how it ended exactly, though I do remember we finally moved out. There was a woman downstairs who worked in the garden in her bathing suit. She really dug with that trowel, and she put her behind up in the air, and I used to sit in the window. And what else? Let's go to page two and watch the sun shine all over that thing while the music played. Charles Bukowski, Radio with Guts. Good evening. Welcome to Midnight at the Oasis, Episode 2, and the Oasis Bar, and I am your host, Tiki Man. I think I've got, see, here's proof, the one and only Tiki Man. This is a expired plate off of my car. I got a new one now. Says the same thing. Is that weird? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty weird. So, what are we doing tonight? Well, I got to tell you, the reason I'm late is because first, the microphone. Uh, never mind, screw that. Listen, let's just put up some uh, uh, shots here. And uh, oh, hi, God, we have people. Hello. And I, uh, the thing is that I didn't have, I had the sheet, uh, screenshots all ready to go. And the problem is that I was clicking and I clicked all the screenshots gone and my mixer went with it. So I had to reload all that and restart the broadcast. So that's what, you know. So let's load these things manually because, you know, I'm just lame that way. Ah, then while we have that one, that's nice. How about this one? It didn't go to that one. See, this is this is what I really like. How about if I uh, <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to love it. Share screen. There it is. Let's share that one. All right. I don't know if you guys can see that. Let's see if I can. Uh... Where did it go? See, now it disappeared. This is the way it's been going with me lately. I'm going to close that window and open a new one. It, uh, it's it's oddball news, okay? And um, and I was hoping that I could, you know, actually scan this thing up and down. And I need another screen is my problem. Okay. Let's share that. Uh, so this this guy, this uh, I can do it. This Amir, so-called Amir Saeed, he posted this, and it's been getting around. Uh, this is what happened in Italy. People are trying, are, people are lying outside the hospital on the streets due to shortage of beds and hospital staff. Army is transporting body, bodies to the graveyard. We need to really think, are we doing enough in the U.S. and are people taking the necessary precautions? Now, here's the deal, folks. There is absolutely no truth to the top picture being related to the coronavirus, as an alert poster pointed out. Rather, it was part of a remembrance project shown in the media, including the Baltimore Sun newspaper under the real picture in the sun. The caption read, people lay down in a pedestrian zone as part of an art project in remembrance of the 528 victims of the Kasbach Nazi concentration camp in Frankfurt, March 24, 2014. The inmates of the Kasbach concentration camp, a part of the former Adler Industrial Factory, were forced into a death march to the concentration camps of uh, Buchenwald and Dachau on March 24, 1945. Now, some 528 victims of uh, Kasbach are, are buried at Frankfurt Central Cemetery. And this goes on. I mean, this wasn't the only one he posted. I mean, to to bolster his claim, uh, there's uh, another photo here where it shows a guy, you know, some guys in hazmat suits. Uh, no one's quite sure where that one came from, but you see they have a coffin. And then, of course, uh, then they have another shot here where it's a bunch of coffins with flowers and so forth. So uh, the bottom right picture, which is the one you're looking at now, is actually a victims of an earthquake and building collapse in central Italy in 2009, according to the reports. The report came from German outlet Focus Online April 11, 2009. So, so yeah, Amir, Mr. Amir. You're a douche. And this is a real dick move. You got people in Italy right now very nervous, very upset. 
they're under a great deal of, of stress, and you post something like this crap. Why? You know, why did this dude post this? For, for clicks? Is, is that why he did it? For clicks? So uh, just as a footnote, um, obviously this isn't to downplay the uh, seriousness of the situation in Italy. Uh, some 59th out, it's greater now. I mean, they've been identified in Italy and uh, the hardest hit uh, country in terms of cases outside of China. And the figure I have here is from five days ago of 5,476 fatalities. That's over 10,000 right now. So this guy, it's a real dick move, man. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I had to say this one. I had to put this one in front because I just wanted to get it over with. Unfortunately, now I'm thinking, now I'm going to have to deal with this downer the whole rest of the show. Hold on. I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's do this. Uh, th by the way, uh, the drink this evening is a daiquiri. If you're applying as a bartender in a lot of cocktail lounges, a lot of times the manager will ask you to make a daiquiri. It's a very basic drink, but it takes just the right amount. It's only three ingredients, but it's just the right amount to make it just sweet enough and just tart enough to be pleasant. And if you can make a proper daiquiri, chances are you're going to be hired. And all it is is... Uh, Lime juice, sugar syrup, and rum, and rum. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, let's go to another one here. And, and, and so I'm going to pull up. I hate to pull these things up, you know, manually. I had them all lined up uh, before, and uh, now I have to, uh, you know, hit the share screen every time, which uh, is very annoying. It just, it's, there's so many different clicks, right? Okay. Um, I don't know if you heard this on the news. In Massachusetts, there's, uh, there's uh, a white van going around and there's a couple of guys in, uh, in white hazmat suits and they go up to the door, knock on the door and they go in and uh, <clears throat> rob the place. Um, I actually heard it on the news, and I went and I and I just dialed it up online to see what the deal was. So here is the original posting that was on the Massachusetts State Police's own Facebook page. The Massa Massachusetts say that three times when you had a daiquiri. State Police uh, want everyone to be aware that there are people going house to house in a white van in hazmat suits, telling people that they were sent to check every house for coronavirus. They are uh, taking fake vitals and stealing from people while in the home. If you see a white van and people in hazmat suits, call the police immediately. Um, the deal is that, um, yeah, that's they, they don't even know where in the hell this came from, uh, even though it was on their site. It was somebody in the office or what? 
Uh, let's open up this other page here. See if I can share that one and get rid of this one. I mean, Jesus is really. This is really just is just 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 so such a problem. Uh, how did I talk myself into doing this? Stop screen. Share screen. Okay. Well. Okay. All right. Here's the next one. Now, this is from the Massachusetts State Police as well. The below message is going around on Facebook. We do not know the source of this. We looked into it and determined that at least one such incident may have occurred in central Massachusetts. Please be advised that anyone claiming they have to check your house for coronavirus is perpetuating a scam. If someone does come to your home making these claims, call 911 and report the incident. Which is, you know, it's always a good thing when strangers come to your house. At least I would think so. So there is another story. There is another part to this story. The event actually happened, but it didn't happen the way the original event was laid out. Van pulls up, two guys in hazmats, they come up to this old woman's home, an elderly woman's home, knock on the door, the lady answers, how, what are you doing here? You know, that kind of thing. And they, they, they say, oh, we want to check the house for coronavirus. Now, I don't know exactly what she had behind the door. But uh, she was upset at these guys. She told them to leave. They were insistent. And she managed to chase these two off the property back into the van, and they took off. So... Like I said, maybe she was hiding something behind it. I don't know. But good for her. They never got into the house. They never checked her for vitals. Obviously, she was alive and well. And she chased them away. We have another one in the <sighs> oddball news. Yeah, right. I hear you. Buster, yeah. Imagine being so <clears throat> scummy that you rob people during this disaster. Well, you know, the first guy who was posting the photos of uh, saying there are a bunch of dead bodies there, and it, at that, I, uh, damn, I, I, I want to say something, but, you know, I just want to try to keep these shows as clean as I can. But, man, that guy. I'd say his name again, but chances are it's not his real name anyway. Either that or he just invented this Facebook page or whatever. And Okay, we have another one here. One more. This is the last oddball one, okay? I swear. I swear to God it is. Okay, well, I, um, do, I have to, do I have to close this one? Okay, well, I have to close that one and open another one. So why, is that, why do I have to do that, people? Wow. Yeah, so what's this? Here's a claim that originated on YouTube. This is actually part of a video, the screenshot, by Keo Dan. I think I pronounced it right. Keo Dan. Q-I-A-O. Keo Dan. All right, whatever. <clears throat> Must be a Hollywood actor. On January 29, 2020, under the title, 5G Tower Insane Radiation Levels, up to 20, 
21 times higher than safe limits. Now, at this uh, video opened uh, with him stating the following, the highest EMF reading I have ever got out of thin air. And this is about 15 meters away, 21 times what would be considered a slight concern and over four times what would be considered an extreme concern. Normally, I have to place the meter against the object I'm measuring to get a reading. Only very high levels are picked up without contact. Very few objects emit levels this high. This is a highly populated residential and commercial area and right next to a train station. Very sad, and most people don't have a clue, including this guy who made this video. Well, actually, I think he does have a clue. It's a deliberate hoax. Again, I don't know, clickbait or whatever. So there was this Dr. Heydrich. He's a PhD, professor of electrical engineering, blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, this guy is basically using a cheap kind of power detector device. And uh, he said this device uh, that is shown in the YouTube video by no means can measure the power being radiated at that frequency because to do that, you need rather expensive equipment that can detect that frequency. If that device cannot detect energy around that frequency, then it cannot really measure the power. He said to get an accurate reading of 5G RFR levels would require higher-end uh, higher equipment, a power sensor, and power detector, which could cost up to $10,000. Also, the poster was standing under a power line when his EMF meter emitted a loud beeping sound, which it did in, in the video. And he said the device was likely picking up the power line signal, not the 5G tower in the distance. Folks, this is a, this is a radio frequency. Uh, the difference between 4G and 5G is bandwidth, okay? I mean, it's just basically, it's not like they reinvented, um, you know, cellular energy and cellular towers and, and high frequency, okay? It's the same principle. It's the same stuff. Uh, it's not going to admit that kind of, especially through thin air. It just doesn't do that. I mean, the, all of these, all of this energy, and, and, and it is energy. It's radio waves, right? But the radio waves, they pass through us every second. Seriously, I mean, you'd have to be, I don't know, way in the heck out in the boonies um, for you to get away from any radio station so you're not getting any uh, radio frequencies passing through your body. But you hold a transistor radio up to your body and you turn it on. You can run through all these different stations. Well, that's designed to pick up the radio signal. Your body isn't, but your body is still being emitted uh, uh, you know, to that signal. Uh, so one, one thing about this, let me go ahead and do what I do, what I do, what I do, do. Okay. Well, that's, that's that. Where's the, uh, hmm, where's my, um, where's my stream yard? I lost my stream yard. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's right here. Stop screen. Um, share screen. Do we have another screen to share? I wish to share things with you people, if I could only share them. 
There it is. I think I found it. Anyway, this is what he was using. An EMF meter. Handheld mini for $10.95 on sale. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Lowrider. Appreciate it. Okay, so the reason that I came here tonight was to do a show. And I always have topics. And this topic was suggested to me. You know that show on TV? Um had to do with uh, the money pit thing. It's called uh, Mysterious Oka. No, no, no. It's called uh, Miss. No, it's called um, the Fantastic. No, it's called. Uh, no, I, I, I'll get it. The Curse, Terror of. No, it is the Curse. The Curse, the Curse of Oak Island, on um, on the History Channel, because we all know that the History Channel deals with history instead of hype. <laughs> reality shows and and it's really it was really hard for me to believe that that this show actually existed about this particular topic and the reason being is because i thought everyone realized that it was a bunch of crap but um there are people who live in that area who, who believe that the money pit is real and it's and there's something down there and and uh, so uh, hey why not why not make a, a buck off now the now the History Channel they they don't necessarily believe this crap but it makes for a good show and, and that's why they do it it's for the money it's where the money is and as far as the guys who are doing it I I'm I, I'm thinking to myself that. Uh, yeah, they, they, they probably do think that, that there's something down there. And uh, ah, it's my allergies. Excuse me. This will cure it. And you would think that someone that goes through all the trouble of doing what they're doing and running around on this island, digging holes, working up a sweat, I mean, are they doing it just to be on a show? Or are they actually, are they actually all in on this thing? Um, you know, you think of uh, you now finding Bigfoot. Three out of the four actually believe Bigfoot existed and they were going out to investigate all this stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the members of this team and the people they talk to are real. They believe what they believe, which means that they're pretty dense. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is because are we still live? I, I just want to hold on. Let me check. Are we still live? Pam, Dan, Fran, ancient astronaut. Th yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. There's <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Buster. Named after Buster Keaton. I, uh, just so so. The reason I'm saying it's dense is because the people are just not bothering 
to look at the history of the area in Nova Scotia and go back to the original story. And the original story um, is an interesting one. Although it's not really that original, it's changed over the decades. Um, over the first 50 years, I think it changed a couple times in there. Um, but the story that we all know and love was that uh, a guy by the name of Daniel McGinnis, he uh, decided to go exploring one day. This young man did. He's a teenager. He got into a little, his little boat and he rose out to Oak Island. Now, Oak Island is like a quarter of a mile off the mainland. So it's not a big, it's not a big deal. You could swim there. Okay. But he went out there exploring and this was in uh, 1795. 1795. We were barely a country then. So he gets onto the island and he's looking around and he sees strange stones with strange carvings in them. <laughs> and then he finds this, this large oak with a large branch sticking out of it. And there's a, like a block and tackle type situation, you know, a pulley. That's what a block is, I guess. Um, and it had rope around it and it was hanging from this branch and it had rope down and underneath where the rope is, was an indentation in the ground. Well, he, he saw these visions in his head about pirate treasure and he decided he was going to grab a couple of his buddies. Right? So he goes, he goes ashore, grabs two of his friends. They come out and they have, you know, picks and shovels and all that crap. And they start digging and they come up with some flagstones and they pull the flagstones up and they go down deeper and they, and they find um, uh, lumber, like a, a lumber floor. And they manage to get through that. And then they go down another 10 feet and then there's some more wood there. And, um, and by the end of the day, they had made it down about 30 feet, which means they had to have uh, brought a rope with them so they could get the hell out of that pit that they dug. If not, then I don't know how they got out of that. But uh... So from that point on, though, it generated into this big mythology. And I think the first, the first real attempt to dig the money pit was in 1805. Uh, and they came up empty. I mean, they, they went down, kept going down, and, 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 and came up empty. And then the thing got flooded. And, and, but the thing is that the, the story had changed from that point, from the future. It's like the story is being told from the 1860s about this, this time in history where this the, they don't match um let me let me explain daniel mcginnis uh, wasn't a teenage boy in 1795 um he was uh, probably around 40 or so he was a uh, a royalist during the revolutionary war and he owned the owned property on oak island at the time 
He had a house and a little farm and everything else in there. And um, so he knew the area quite well. So I'm thinking to myself, where did this other thing come from? Well, it's part of this, it's part of this, this invention of this weird this treasure or whatever it is down below. Uh, the pirate, the pirate thing, um, that was pretty rampant back in the early uh, 1800s, late 1700s. Uh, everyone knew that in the early 1700s, there was a lot of pirates up and down the, the eastern seaboard. Um, but as far as burying treasure, uh, other than other than um, in uh, what was that Treasure Island book? They generally didn't bury the treasure. Uh, now, one pirate, uh, Billy, uh, uh, not Billy the Kid, that's a, that's a, it's a gunslinger. Captain Kid, William Kid, he, um, he was wanted for murder by the governor of New York at the time, and he wanted to try to clear his name. So he uh, he brought uh, he brought what he had his loot or whatever ashore just north of New York, nowhere near Oak Island, but he brought it ashore near New York, and he buried it. Uh, and and his thoughts were, I'm going to go to New York, talk to the government uh, governor, and you know try to get my name cleared. Everything will be fine, I'll, and we'll come back here, we'll grab it, and we'll take off. But what happened was uh, he didn't get to clear his name. They found him guilty, and they hauled his ass back to uh, London, and uh, you know, and uh, hung him by the neck out on the dock. Let him hang there for the crows to pick at for a few days before they took him down. As a warning to other pirates, not to do what Captain Kidd had done. Thank you for watching. I'm kidding. <clears throat> so that was one of two burying of treasure and it was only temporary in fact both cases were temporary the other one was uh, uh drake captain drake who was a privateer he was a south america uh panama i believe they ransacked a city got all the gold and jewels and everything got it out of the city and they were followed by some people or whatever trying to get to them to get their treasure back so he buried it temporarily temporarily again um and posted guards you know so they couldn't get at it things started getting kind of hot and heavy they were attacked once or twice and he decided that well instead of him trying to go get the ship and come back for the treasure that they're just going to dig up that damn thing and take it with them so that's what they did they finally just dug it up so that wasn't even I, I don't I don't see any case at all where a pirate pirate would use um a beach, you know, as a bank to hold their goods. They usually they they come ashore after they uh rob a couple of ships and they they uh and they invest it. They are wise with with what they do with it. They spend it on rum and women. And maybe some supplies for the ships and the rigging and equipment and so forth and so on. Now, 
Captain Kidd never never made it north of New York. And the story of Oak Island was that Blackbeard, Blackbeard um, had, had sailed up to that area, and they believed that it was his treasure that was on Oak Island. But as with Captain Kidd, Black, Blackbeard never made it north of New York. He went as far as New York, turned around, and came back to the Bahamas, and that's where he was captured eventually after, uh, after his, his ships sank off the coast of uh, North Carolina or South Carolina. Does that really matter? The point is that the pirates, there, there was no validity whatsoever about pirate gold being planted on Oak Island. And if they did plant the damn thing on Oak Island, they wouldn't plant, it, uh, plant the thing 200 feet deep. It didn't all make sense. If you're going to come back and get it later. There's a couple of other things that, that uh, are interesting. There's the, the stones with the writing on them. The stones with the writing on them. The writing, not, they're not writing. They're, they're, uh, mm, they're carvings, images. All of them, by the way, can be attributed to, um, uh, not the wow, Masons, the Freemasons. Um, these were, you know, the, the the mystical things, signs that the Freemasons used during their their rituals. And apparently, Oak Island was a place that they were using. The place they were using for their rituals at the time, and in the mid uh, the mid seventeenth century, the, yeah, the mid seventeenth century, they showed up there in Nova Scotia, so they were pretty prevalent. Um. So so the the thought that that this had some kind of mystical or weird meaning to it is kind of true, but it was it was just the Masons. I mean, the Masons um, they didn't have any treasure to, to bury, even though there was a myth about the Masons in the old world and they came before what king or whatever and and uh, they took off with the loot, you know, supposedly the Holy Grail and all this kind of crap that was obtained from uh, the Knights Templar and all of this all of this uh, stuff that just was made up. It's all made up crap. And and that was what it was based on. And there's other things that they ignore. Oh, there's this one thing about the tablet. Remember the tablet that had a really strange writing on it? It was, I don't know how big the tablet was. It was a good size and had uh, little images. The tablet was lost. Um, conveniently lost, I would say. Uh, however, not before somebody wrote down the, the, the yeah, and supposedly the tablet was sent off to someone, uh, some college, this this institution of higher learning, to be deciphered. Even though um, it is an easy cipher, it's basically one character matches one letter of the alphabet. A you know, fifth grade kid could do it. But uh, translated, you know, I think it said something like <clears throat> treasure 40 feet below, something like that. Easy to make up, I would say. But here, here's another thing. 
Um, excuse me. Here's another thing. We know that um, Mr. McGinnis owned property on the island. How do we know that the the rope and pulley situation wasn't something that he put up um, and that there was an area there that was dug out? And how do we know that if someone actually did bury something there to hide it from everybody, why would they leave the rope and tackle hanging there? They might as well put a big red X there. Tell everybody where it's at. Look, here's an indentation. Hey, I'll tell you what. We don't want people to know. Let's hang this thing right here. Rope hanging straight down. They'll never guess. Well, the fact is they wouldn't do that. And if someone did bury treasure there, how do we know that the rope and tackle wasn't to take it out instead of put it in? So what about all this junk down in, inside this as they were digging? Well, here's the thing about that area of Nova Scotia. And it's all over Oak Island. And it's all over the mainland. And it's been a problem, actually. A problem that people kind of ignore when it comes to the story about uh, <clears throat> the myth of Oak Island. And the thing is, they have sinkholes there. Hmm. You see, the lower substrate, well, you got earth, you got mixed up earth and sand or whatnot. But below that is limestone. There's limestone all through the area. And um, the tide coming in and out and that, and there's it kind of seeps in and around the area, the layers of limestone, and it becomes porous. Pretty soon you've got <clears throat> tunnels. You know, like the tunnel that that they discovered on Oak Island. The tunnel, by the way, that caved in because it's a sinkhole. And I just can't help but wonder, if Mr. McGinnis lived on the island and he had, like, goats, a few sheep, some pigs, maybe a cow, horse, whatever, maybe... What's below that rope and tackle thing is uh, was a sinkhole. And he put that up to get one of his animals out of it. And that's happened, too, in recent times. I've seen photographs of <clears throat> one crane taking a cow out of one of the sinkholes in the area, uh, on the mainland. And there was a case not too long ago where the, uh, a crew was digging a well it caved in and revealed a cavern. I mean, a huge mother-loving cavern underground caused by the water and the limestone. and the, It's just, it's just, it's beyond belief why people would ignore this, this fact. Um, logs wash ashore they make it down into a sinkhole or sinkhole happens near a tree and the tree goes into it. 
The original report, by the way, wasn't that. It was uh, a lumber floor inside. It was just wood. It was just wood, not a lumber floor. That came later. See, they changed the story to make it look more mysterious. And, um, but that's all it was, is these sinkholes. So that's what they're looking for. They're looking for treasure in sinkholes. A treasure that never existed, except in the mind of the one who invented the story about the three lads going, uh, uh, going on the island and digging, which never happened. And the interesting thing also is, why did it take him to 1805 to start digging when it allegedly happened in 1795? Well, it seems like there are some people up and down the coast about that time, dowsers and seers. And what these people would do when they're inland or in areas where they need water, they would douse for wells. And they would get paid to douse for wells. Psychic. And um, along the coastline, because of all of the talk about pirates and gold and all that crap, they were, they were dowsing for treasure. They would go onto people's properties and say, um, I believe there might be treasure on, on your property. And they'd douse and then they'd go down. Oh, uh, here it is right here. You know, they'd, they'd always have an excuse why they would come up empty. It's like, oh, well, this isn't right. Oh, it's being guarded by a spirit, and the spirit is angry. Or some such nonsense. So, so what, oh, oh, what's, so, there were some others. Were there any questions? Because there was some other stuff I was going to bring up, but... Uh, Question, how many, how much money do they make having the show on uh, uh, how much they have spent or have I said too much? Yes, Kitty. You said too much. Stop right away. So there was um, the thing about the dowsers and all that. And I think that's what happened is that somebody came through the area. I know there was a guy by the name of Smith that came through that area. About that time, actually. He and his son. His son later uh, also got into uh, dowsing, and he had a seer stone that he used for treasure. And later, he, uh, while in uh, Utah, he discovered gold tablets, which also... Um, disappeared mysteriously. Ah, the similarities, ah, that's a different story. But anyway, be that as it may, people would salt the mines, you know, back in the, here in the, uh, like the 49ers in California. Let's say, uh, you, you know, you worked the claim, you dug out all what little gold there was, and you're going to sell the claim. So what do you do? You get a little bit of that gold dust or little gold chunks or whatever, and you go into your dig site, and you Put one on the wall there and put a couple on the ground or whatever. And then you have a prospective buyer come in. Oh, good. Look, here's, here's one right here. You know, you can have this one, you know. And then they buy the thing. And, of course, it was just salted. Same thing happened with the money pit. Uh, the crew that was working it at the time, I don't remember the name of the crew. It doesn't really matter. But they, uh, 
they were running out of money. And their financial backers didn't want to give them any more money. And it was right after that, all of a sudden, this auger came up with three gold chains or, or three links of a gold chain. Look, here it is. Oh, there's no way that this gold chain could have been, you know, planted by me as I reached into the mud and pulled it out of the mud. Oh, well, needless to say, they got more money. It's a funny thing, you know, these how everything just seems to snowball, you know, and one BS thing just comes right. But you got to go back to the beginning. It's all about the beginning. And it's all about the situation. It's all about the landscape. It's all about the the uh, the flooding. It's all about the sinkholes. So, um, as as far as I know, that's that's about as far as I can take it. Uh, if there's any questions, ask me the questions, and I'll see if I answer them, or any other questions you might might have. And I'm going to go over here and I'm going to look. No, I'm not going to look. Yeah, I'll look. What do we have here? Alaskan bush people. Sandy wants something. <clears throat> yes, that's true. Um, you've got the History Channel that has about 5% history, which doesn't sell. Uh, and then the rest of it is BS, which does. Hype. Sensationalism. If you're going to have a TV station... You gotta post stuff. You gotta put stuff up there that's sensational, unlike this show. But you know, and I and I always tell people this too because it's like they will never have me on a reality show dealing with spirits, ghosts, uh, UFOs, cryptids, any kind of cryptid or whatever. Um, they used to have a show where a group of people sit around and they'd determine whether or not the uh, things were real or fake. I don't remember the show or what the name of it was. Well, it was something like that, real or fake. And um, most of the time they couldn't solve it. That's the same group that uh, went to uh, California and tried to uh, look into the, uh, the uh, night crawler pajama thing walking across the front yard. And for some reason they couldn't. They couldn't debunk that. <laughs> but I knew that people probably wouldn't believe me if I told them what it was, so I actually had to do it in my own backyard just to make the point. And it was fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> How's your son? He's good. Uh, Sam's Sam's actually back to work now, uh, which is weird because he works at a clinic. <laughs> and so they've laid him off, not laid him off, but they've given him some days off. And now he, now he's back to work again. But they're doing things like triage in the parking lot. They're wearing, you know, their gloves and their masks and everything. And people show up and they go out and they have a clipboard and they question them in the parking lot before they're allowed into the clinic. It's weird, man. A lot of weird crap going on. And then he degauses himself before he comes over here, you know. 
Okay, uh, yeah. Momo, hi. Which show do you remember, Buster? What show was I talking about? The uh... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The one with the people and the real or fake one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'd see something and I'd be going, it's a balloon. Dude, it's a balloon. And they'd take, they'd take you know, they have three different things that the, they, they segment off. These two do this one, these two do this, and then they jump from, the show jumps from one to the other as they're trying to decipher what's actually really happening, if it's real or fake. Yeah, that's a balloon. Yeah, that, that chain link fence does has some things loose. The car went right through it, and, you know, and so on and so on. And, 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 and my wife would get so pissed off. I, uh, I w I've only been on one reality show that had to do with a real event, uh, and I was offered, <laughs> I was sent a contract. <laughs> I was supposed to fly down to L.A. with my a partner for the this uh, show that they were coming up with called um, the one the ten million dollar Bigfoot bounty. So um, after talking to the producer and a couple of people that also got the, the contract forms, I realized just how much BS the show was and how there was no way that this was an actual thing. It wasn't an actual thing. I mean, it was like, I'm gonna, we're going to send you people out and you're going to, today, you're going to go find uh, hair samples and make them mysteriously appear out of nowhere and bring them back. If it was me, I'd go out there and go, okay, uh, and I'd try to find something. I come back. I didn't find any hair samples. Were there any reports around here? The reported Bigfoot? If so, where are they so we can go check the area? Maybe there's something on a barbed wire fence someplace. No, it's just here's this area we're going to look at today. Go find some hair samples. Here's a thermal camera. Go out and find Bigfoot on the thermal camera. And they just hop from one location to another. It was one of the lamest pieces of crap show I think I've, I've ever seen. And I only really watched two episodes because I knew guys that were on the show personally. So <laughs> I laughed my ass off. I'm like, you dumb idiots. Yeah, I turned him down. I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Uh, as, a, as a skeptic, you know, I wouldn't have lasted the first day. <laughs> I swear I wouldn't. They would have they gave me a plane ticket back home the next morning. And, and like I said, you know, um, if you're a skeptic or you're somebody who can actually break something down, somebody can actually look at the facts, somebody can go back to the original claim and examine the original claim, and find out, hey, guess what? This original claim is BS. Here's the proof. You're not, you're not going to be on one of these shows. Because the show is all about the belief thing. Right? Okay. <laughs>
Yeah, yes, yes, in search of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one, uh, I think the original, that was the one with uh, Robert Stack, I believe. He was good. He always talked like this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which was either involved in something like a murder. I love the psychic shows. I get the biggest kick out of it. Here's a detective, and he's going to go, and he's going to interview these people about their haunting. <laughs> interview their haunting. So, <laughs> wait a minute. Let's let's have some music. I, I hope I don't I don't I don't ruin it by doing this, but um, usually I like to uh, just because it's a tiki bar. We're supposed to be relaxing. You actually hear something? Okay. Okay, so the detective goes into this place, right? And they're talking to the people and they're going, it started, uh, I swear I saw this little girl and she was in the bottom of the basement uh, the stairs going down to the basement and it looked like she was crying I could hear her crying you know and and, uh, and then he would say okay well you know take all the information down then the next day the, the psychic would come in and of course the announcer on the show would say the psychic has not been uh told of any of the situation involving the family and their sightings of what they experienced. Bullcrap. She knew everything when she walked in that door. Everything. Everything the detective got from them, she passed right onto the, but he passed right, he didn't even have to, the producer was right there. Producer took that and he went and he told the psychic everything and the psychic went in and says, I sense there's a little girl somewhere down there in the bottom of the stairs in the basement. And she's crying. You're telling me that ain't true. But it's been real. It's been fun. Thank you all for showing up. Uh, I do have some friends. I can, I'm going to recommend. This is the boring part of the show. Well, actually, the whole show is not really all that entertaining. I mean, I'm not standing up here dancing or anything. Oh, by the way, this is the other part of my tiki bar. Last week, we were over somewhere else. And this is kind of like the uh, the surfer section. And a lot of odds and ends uh, laying around here that uh, I have collected, including my matchbook collection. I have historic restaurant matchbooks. I know it sounds weird, isn't it? Okay, this one is uh, this is an original match matchbook uh, from the Brown Derby. It's a full matchbook, and and these are called automatic matches. And what you do is you grab hold of a match, and when you pull it out, it automatically lights itself. The striker's inside. 
Yeah, the Hollywood uh, Hollywood uh, Brown Derby. This is the one on Wilshire or the one on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, Wilshire and Rodale. Okay, yeah. But anyway, I've got all kinds of these things, um, just as a collection. Just this and that and the other thing. Next week I'll be somewhere else, around, and it'll look different. I like to look different every time, just to cut monotony. Um, and so you all get a kind of a view of what's happening in here. So we have uh, Squatchable, the podcast. I do that with Sir Richard, Richard Allen, and it's on Richard Allen's YouTube channel. And uh, it's, it's not bad. I'm, I co-host it and um, comes on every Saturday at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Pacific. So I do two shows on Saturdays, that one and then this one. Uh, Squatchable is the home home site. It's run by uh, Sean Evidence of Bigfoot Evidence. Go say hi to him. And uh, also Forty and Slip. I uh, I do make guest appearances on Forty the Forty and Slip uh, upon occasion, and uh, they have a, a YouTube channel. And so you can check them out too. Uh, man, I, I'm not one for memorizing the dot com, all that crap. You know, I, I'll tell you what, where they're at. You just go find them if you're interested. I know I'm not going to po post it below. I and mean, that's just too much work. I'm lazy. I mean, the show's done. I'm done. That's it. I'll have another drink. And uh, I wish you all uh, a pleasant evening. Stay safe, please. Hey, that's actually cool. I used to have uh, political buttons. In fact, I still have some of the original Kennedy buttons from 1960. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. Okay, so let's do a sign out. I, 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 might, I mean, I have this music. I might as well do a sign-out, right? 